Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 102. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Tumber with Midwest Recovery Systems. If you want to ignite your relationships, you should be listening to Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chapel. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, I'm sure you've heard me and my guests talk a lot about the importance of masterminds. I know I personally would not be anywhere near where I am today without spending tens of thousands of dollars investing into building relationships in a mastermind setting. So on that, I am opening up a second round of my mastermind, Build Your Network Alpha in order to build relationships with some of you guys out there. If this is something that interests you, please head over to buildyournetwork.co slash alpha to submit an application and hop on the phone with me to chat about it. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's 
guest, Brandon Tumber. Brandon is the president of Midwest Recovery Systems, a first and third party call center solution in St. Charles, Missouri, specializing in the accounts receivable management space. He has taken the company from zero to 65 plus employees in just five years, showing a 50% growth pattern year over year since its inception. They're headquartered in St. Charles, Missouri, and have an offshore operation in Montego Bay, Jamaica. Brandon, thanks so much for coming to the show today, bro. Really excited to have you. Why don't you go ahead and expound on that intro just a tad, and then uh, tell us what you're most excited about right now. Yeah, Travis, absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate the opportunity to come and shed a little bit of insight on what we do. So yeah, we basically specialize everything in the financial services space, medical, commercial collections, utilities, basically anybody who has a business where they have a you know a customer base where there's a potential for those people to you know go delinquent on their accounts and or not pay for a service that's been provided. That's where we come in. We specialize in getting them on the phone, trying to negotiate, educate them on the opportunities and options that they have available. A lot of times people just don't know what to do. So, you know, things that we're most excited about, obviously companies shown, you know, patterns of growth. We are moving into a new facility that's about 15,000 square feet, which is going to give us room for expansion. Like I said, we're at about 60, 65 agents now. We're trying to get that number to 100 plus within the next couple of years, if not sooner. So, awesome. yeah, we're also maybe potentially dibbling and dabbling into the merchant services space where we'll be able to do payment processing, things like that, which will add us another component to our customers to help eliminate some of the excess costs that they have in the association of collecting their payments and things like that. So, Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool, man. I'm really interested to hear how you got started into all of this. I'm sure that when you were in elementary school and you were filling out like career day reports, you probably weren't <laughs> like, yeah, I want to be in the collections <laughs> industry. So yeah, well, how did well, that even come to fruition? Like what steps needed to take place in order for you to just dive into this industry? Yeah. So kind of circumstantial, everything. The first job that I ever had, I sold cell phones. So I was familiar with the credit space in the sense that, you know, I would try to sell people cell phones and they couldn't get approved. Right. So I've always been credit conscious and I've been a musician for many, many years. And the singer in our band at the time was working at a collection agency and just, hey, you know, I was looking for a job. I was 18 years old trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to do? Traveling back and forth for band practice. He said, hey, man, you ought to come get a job at this collection. Agency. They pay me like 10 bucks an hour. I sit in an air conditioned, you know, deal and I'm just on the phone and I said, that sounds like me. So yeah. <laughs> anyways, I took the job and, you know, I've always been able to, you know, kind of converse with people relatively well and, and establish rapport and things like that. And I ended up doing really well, you know, just over the years took different jobs, different opportunities, different positions, and just slowly advanced my way into making a, a really good income as just a collector. Yeah. About six years ago, we've been in operation for about six years. I met my wife and she is in the dental field and was working for a dentist who had just sold a practice and he sold it for several million dollars. And we were just, you know, kind of talking at a wedding, you know, over a couple of drinks. And I was telling him about what I do, the income that I make, blase, blase. And he ended up saying, well, why don't you do it on your own? And long story short, a couple of weeks later, I had a big check in my hand and the rest is history. <laughs> from that guy or? Yeah, from the dentist. Yeah, I put together nice. a little business proposal, myself and my partner. We, you know, spent a couple of weeks putting something together and started off with a very small dollar amount that we... <laughs> 
<laughs> were completely ignorant um, to what it was actually going to take. And that escalated very quickly to being quadruple that dollar amount we had originally discussed. And, you know, fortunately enough, he bought into the deal and we had a check in our hand and we were off to the races. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So we, we kind of talking about this a little bit off mic. So is there like a black cloud around your industry? Meaning like when, when you talk to people, do you kind of get the feeling that people are like, ugh, a collections guy? <laughs> or is it mainly just like, oh, well, yeah, I understand that's a part of business. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, right? In the consumer space, obviously, we are the enemy, right? No, oh, debt collectors. They, yeah. you know, we're getting calls from debt collectors. However, from a business standpoint, we're often the people that they lean to to say like, look, we just don't know what to do. Can we get this money from these people? Right. And it's funny because when we were at 10 X, you know, Brad had made the statement when he was giving his speech or actually, I'm sorry, it was Grant saying, you know, I took a lot of blows early on. People screwed me over. You know, I provided a service they didn't pay. And Hey, it's just a part of business. I've always wondered why people just default to that. You know, they just assume, well, Hey, they didn't pay me. You know, it is what it is. And it just goes away. So, you know, we've built a great business just on coming back to companies that take your accounts receivable five years back. How much of that money has not been returned to you? Even if we could get you 10% on that, it's a win, right? So once you shed light and opportunity to these businesses, say, hey, look, if I got a million dollars in receivables over the last five years, if I get a hundred grand back at the end of this year, everybody wins, Right, right? right? So, you know, the big reason that I'm trying to get our company out there, public facing, doing these podcasts, doing these things is to let everybody know that that's not what it is. That's what it used to be, right? People used to call, talk crazy. You've seen these episodes on 60 Minutes, you know, Dateline, all these things where these collection agencies are just doing the wrong thing, beating people up. And a lot of times that's the, you know, the Buffalo Shake Shops where they're not doing things the right way. They're calling from grandma's basement. They're doing all these things that create the black cloud for the industry. So I'm trying to educate people on how they really function, what we're here for, how we talk to consumers, how we give them opportunity, steer them towards financial freedom and getting their delinquencies resolved. A lot of people don't know that 98% of the originators that are out there in the market will settle your debt with you for over 50%, right? They just, you know, they, oh, I have $10,000 in credit card debt. What am I going to do? I I can't pay $10,000. Little do they know Hey, you might be able to settle all those accounts for three grand and do it over 12 months. Hmm. So a lot of people can swing 250 bucks a month. They just can't do $10,000 of the lump sum. And they have this concept that no one's going to work with me. They're just going to talk negatively to me. They're going to beat me up. They're going to talk down and they're going to tell me to pay it all now. And that's just not the case. Yeah. So, yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented 
with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Interesting. And there's so much stuff in that industry. I was talking to my wife about this a little a few days ago because we were applying for a, a hard money loan to do another a real estate flip with my parents and stuff. And uh, we were talking about credit and everything. And I was like, man, it is so crazy that this is something that's literally never taught on, like not even in college. It's definitely not taught on in high school or junior high or anything like that, which it for sure should be. But not even in college do you take a deep dive into like how to improve your credit and, you know, like some of those tips and things that you were just talking about right now with settling debts and, and all that kind of stuff. It's just never taught to anybody. It's crazy that we have to have actual specialized services and companies to come up and actually educate the masses on what your credit score even is or how it works and stuff like that. What do you think about education on stuff like this, bro? Do you think it'll be something that is ever taught in a formal education type setting? And if not, why not? I don't think that it will. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when I was in high school, college, just in the general public, no one is conscious of these things a lot of times. And all of these predatory people online, they try to take advantage of it, right? These consumer credit counseling services and all mm -hmm. these people, you know, they, hey, we can solve your debt for you. And, you know, you just have to pay us a nominal fee. Well, you know, little does the consumer know at the end of the day, they have to rack up this huge surplus of money before they start resolving anything. Right. Yeah. So at the they go two years into this payment plan with this debt settlement company and they haven't taken care of one of their debts. Whereas, again, if the black cloud of the collection space could be removed and there was transparency and communication between the, the consumer and the agency, they could educate them very quickly. It's, hey, look, you have five accounts that are delinquent and you've got five collection agencies calling you. Well, let's focus on one at a time. Let's take the biggest ones or the smallest ones, tackle those first, get those items removed from your credit, thus increasing your credit score while you're resolving these things, rather than just sitting there for two years doing nothing and letting your credit tank. Nobody teaches anybody those things. They don't know that those options are available. I've had family members of my own, you know, since I started this. And I've been in the collection space for about 15 years. But, you know, even whenever I was just doing the collection piece, not knowing anything close to what I know now, people would come and say, hey, what can I do? And just being a collector, I already knew what the different originators would settle for. Citibank will go to 30%. Bank of America will go to 40 You know, blase, blase. And so I could help these people just by letting them know, hey, here's what you do. Call them. Tell them this is what you can afford. And 98% of the time, they ended up resolving all their debt without having to pay anyone else a dime. They just needed the education, right. someone to walk them just through the what they could yeah. do. Yeah, so again, I think that that's the problem with the collection space is that it has this negative connotation where... Hey, all we're doing at the end of the day is reverse sales. 
We're coaching people on how to resolve and pay for a product they've already received, which they probably shouldn't have received in the first place. That's a whole nother piece of it. Right, but again, right, yeah, I'm, exactly, guilty. Exactly. I'm guilty of it. Like you said, it's you're not taught early on. So I had credit card debt in my early years, made a lot of stupid decisions and could have been probably a lot further than I am now. Again, like you said, if that was taught in the education space that, yeah, hey, these yeah. are the things that you do. Fortunately, as I said before, I was in the cell phone industry and I knew right away, hey, I need to go get a secured credit card. Give them 200 bucks. They'll give you a $200 line of credit because I knew if you don't have credit, you can't even get a cell phone. Right. Exactly. Right? That's the crazy part to me, bro. Is like, it's literally one of the most important things that you can work on in your personal finances. And like, you get taught all this other stuff, but then you get out into life and you're like, what? A credit score? What? I have to wait 14% interest for my car loan because you, I don't have any credit. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Cause I don't really know what that even means. You know what I mean? And is it 14% of the total purchase or is it 14% APR? Like, and then you start doing the math, like after you've been paying on this car for five years and you're like, holy crap, I just paid like double or triple what I should have for this vehicle when I thought I was getting a decent deal. And it's just, it's so crazy to me that it's just something that's not even ever talked about. Yeah. And not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I truly believe. And like you said, I don't know that it'll ever change in the education space because a lot of the funding that they get are from these major corporations. Right. So I don't know that it's behoove them to teach people that. But again, like you said, that's why people get into debt. They go into default. They get their cars repoed. Their houses go into foreclosure is because they weren't educated early on and their credit is probably not good. And so when they get these vehicles, because, again, everybody wants to have nice stuff. Right. And so what are you willing to pay for it? Some people get things that they know they can't afford. And then you compound all of these negatives. Well, mm-hmm. you couldn't afford the car in the first place. Now you got terrible credit. So we're going to give you a interest rate. Excuse my French. But <laughs> and now they're paying an extra hundred and fifty bucks an interest on a vehicle that they probably could have afforded if they would have just taken the time and done the right things to, you know, with their credit. So fortunately we're in the world that we live in now, social media, you know, you got credit karma that gives you all of these insights on what you can do Mm -hmm. to increase your credit, you know, keep your debt to income, keep your expenses below 10% on your credit cards, have a length of establishment. All of these different things will help you tremendously especially on vehicles and home loans and things like that. It's the difference of getting a 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14% interest rate versus 3.75, right? right? Which exactly. can equate to hundreds of dollars and thousands yeah, of dollars. Thousands, of yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Easy. I agree. There's Crazy, a problem. Bro. Crazy. Yep. So, you know, that's, I was just talking to my partner and CEO, his name's Kenny, and we were talking about potentially starting our own podcast. That's a financial services that can educate people on topics like this that nobody does right now. Mm -hmm. They just don't do it. You know, they do it at conferences and trade shows and things like that. Of course, you've got panels and discussions and sessions where everybody's talking about consumer advocacy. But that's not where the masses are. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you got a listener right now, bro. So (laughs) I I appreciate that. I encourage you to start it up for sure. Let me know if you need some help with that. So let's go ahead and move the conversation now, Brandon. We could talk about debt and stuff like that because it's a really interesting topic to me. We could talk about that for a long time, I'm sure. But let's go ahead and move on to talking about what the show's about, about networking, about relationship building. And I always like bringing people on the show, bro, that I've actually met recently through a networking type of an opportunity because I try to practice what I preach as much as I can. So for those of you listening, 
I met Brandon at uh, 10X Growth Con a, a few months back, and we were talking for a while. One of the, I think it was, might have been even the first night we were chatting it up at some a bar that a bunch of people were at, and got to know each other pretty well with another buddy of mine, Bill, who was just on the show. And it, it was a really good conversation, and we chatted for a while, and it was like, hey, man, I'd love to have you come on the show. So now here he is coming on the show. We're talking about him, and who knows what kind of connections we'll both be able to cultivate from the show being published and stuff like that. And so it just goes to show, like, you can just, it's not something that you should turn off. You should always keep your eyes open to build relationships with cool people. So Brandon, I want to get the conversation going. And this is the first question I ask. And it's the question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Well, as we discussed at 10X and as our good buddy Brad Lee always says, hey, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. So I truly believe that it's who you know. You know, we discuss this in depth to say it's not just about who you know. You Mm -hmm. can't show up, you know, in a group of people and literally have nothing to offer, no insight, no, no anything. Right. So I think it's in tandem with what you know as well. But who you know, because, again, the more people that you know, it's like spider webs. It just blossoms out and there's this big web of all these people that know people that you might not know or ever have the opportunity to meet. But because you know this person, you'll have the opportunity to have a conversation with said individual. Right. right. So I have always been a firm believer in who you know. And I'll give you an example in specific to my business. So the first couple of years, you know, obviously we as any other startup, had financial struggles, didn't have a lot of money to put out there on trade shows, branding, marketing, all that good stuff. So the first couple of years, literally every single client that we onboarded was from me picking up the phone, cold calls. And, you know, when we finally got to a point where we had enough money that we could start going to trade shows and things like that, my business quadrupled in a year simply because I got FaceTime, right? So I could go it's one thing to do it on the phone, but people can very easily just say no and hang up. Yeah, right? of course. When you're face to face and you're able to bounce questions, do a little Q&A, it goes a long way. So, again, who you know, who you're around, the law of proximity, right? It's mm-hmm. yeah, definitely hands down in my world. So, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. So talking a little bit about that and going back to your story earlier about getting that first initial investment that you needed to start your business, it sounded like that was all through one connection. So like you had all the the knowledge, you had the know-how, like you've been in the industry for what, eight, nine years at that point. But then it just took some random guy over a conversation to be like, why don't you start your own thing? And you're like, hey, that's a good idea. And then you were like, hey, I need money. And he was like, yeah, I have money. <laughs> and then you went and started your own thing. And now, you're doing millions of dollars in revenue. You're expanding year over year like crazy. And you're hiring all these people and making a big difference in those people's lives, providing them opportunity to make money. And all of this started just from one single connection. Would that be accurate to say? It would. And what's funny about that is I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Maybe not the luck card, because I don't believe in luck. I feel like luck's just opportunity. You know, more you put yourself in a position to have opportunity, the luckier you're going to be. Right. Right. But this whole thing started. I was with my ex for about seven years, high school sweetheart. I ended up, you know, not working out. I was completely devastated. I was way overweight, got into fitness, you know, completely changed my aesthetic appearance, this, that, and the other. Met my wife. And had I not met my wife, I would have never met the dentist. I would have never had the opportunity to start this business and my life wouldn't be what it is today. So from adversity came, 
you know, basically the world Abundance. that I have today, which yeah. is just 180 <laughs> percent different than, right, you know, right. what it was. So, yeah, it's wild how things work. Yeah, that's crazy. I love being able to go back and track those connections and really examine the butterfly effect, you know, like this one tiny little teeny tiny thing that happened now just like catapulted this huge opportunity that's turned into literally my entire life today. And if it weren't for that one little teeny tiny connection, then I would not be where I am. I would not be who I am. I have no idea where I'd be, but I'm sure glad that I'm here. You know what I mean? I think relationships are such are just the best way to track that kind of stuff. So I got a question here for you, Brandon. I don't know if we talked about this at 10x or not, but this is something I've been asking guests recently because I like to hear what their answers are for it. Do you have any tips or ideas for leaving a conversation that you don't want to be in anymore? So you're at 10X and you're talking to some person and they may be cool. They may have a value to offer, but you just know that you got to go talk to these dozen other people, but they just keep talking and talking and talking. How do you get out of that conversation without sounding really rude? Oh, man. <laughs> so I may not be the best person for that. Some of my business partners and people that work for me say that I'm a little blunt and I uh, <laughs> a lot of times can be interpreted as kind of pricky. I try not to, but I'm just the type of guy, look, hey, I don't sugarcoat things. It is what it is. I like to be transparent because, again, you're not doing anybody any favors by lying to them or making them feel that they're more important than they are. They have more opportunity to do something with you than not. Because at the end of the day, you're just going to let them down and you're going to waste your time. They're going to walk away feeling that they're not who they think they are and, and all that good stuff. So, you know, to me, hey, I have to take this phone call real quick, right? Give me your contact information. I'll give you a buzz, you know, when I get back in town. There were several people that I met at 10X that weren't going to be the right fit for me, right? Mm -hmm. They may have yeah. value. They may do great things for other people. I right. just knew that for me, it wasn't going to work. So mm -hmm. I would just, you know, very cordially hey, let me have your contact information. Let's connect whenever we both get back to where we're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. I got a couple of people that I got to meet with. I got to take this phone call, whatever, right, right? you know? Well, and that's an important caveat too, because I think sometimes when I ask that question, people think that I'm only talking about the really annoying person that has no value to offer. And that is just like sucking value from you. Then the networking Ned of the conference, you know, the person that's just throwing business cards at you and trying to get you to like buy their stuff <laughs> from them right there. And then, you know what I mean? Right. I don't always mean that. I just mean that it could be a really good connection. It could be a person that you've, you know, wanted to meet for a while, but sometimes when you're in that kind of a situation, you got to go meet some other other people, or you got to go cultivate another a relationship with somebody that you already know, but you want to make that relationship deeper, like you got to still use your time wisely. So whenever I ask that question, if you're listening, don't think that I just mean like, this is what you do to get out of annoying conversations. And if I do something like this to you in the future, don't think that I think that you're annoying. Just sometimes like, hey, it's better to just to go around and talk to some other people and reconnect with that person because follow up after something like that is just as important as what you do at the event itself. So yeah, yeah, I totally, totally agree with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you you know, to me, it's just like everybody said, right? Develop your elevator pitch. Let's grab them. Let's create impact. Let's connect after the fact, right? So yeah. you're not going to be able to, again, when you go to a networking event, you want to communicate with as many people as you possibly can. I felt weird. This is the first conference that I've been at where it's not specific to my space. So I felt, you know, that I'm, what do I do? Hey, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You know, it's, so you also don't want to be that guy right? You don't want to just bounce from person to person to person. So it, you know, finding that balance is difficult. So yeah, definitely, definitely cool. So we talked about a couple of different tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff here today, Brandon, but if we had to just boil it down to one thing, it could be philosophical, it could be practical, whatever you want to talk about here, but do you have just one tip, one thing that just make would make everybody listening a better networker, a better connector relationship builder? What would that one tip be? 
So just get yourself out there. I think that a lot of people get scared, including myself. I've evolved a lot. Mm -hmm. I can remember when we first started this business, I was very nervous when I would go to meet doctors, I would meet dentists, you know, people that are twice my age that are much, much more successful than me. I just felt I didn't have the knowledge or I was being judged or I was, you know, there was just all the things internally that people struggle with your self image, your self worth, you know, all of those things that everybody listening can probably at some point in their life, they've fell victim to that. Right. And so yes. the one thing I can say is get out there. The simplest way to put it, and I'll take Bradley's words is you already don't have the relationship. You already don't do business with said individual. You're already right. not friends with said individual. So mm -hmm. what's the worst that can happen? They can tell you, no, mm -hmm. you're not mm -hmm. in any different position than you are right now. And so for me, I've really latched onto that over the last year. The worst thing that can happen is someone can say no, mm -hmm. or they're not interested. And so you can take that one of two ways. You can either take that and say, oh, be down on yourself, or you can try to hone your craft and say, hey, something that I said didn't work. Mm -hmm. I need to go back to the drawing board and I need to fix that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I always look at that as, you know, all the cliche sayings is life happens for you, not to you. All of those things are takeaways. You can learn and develop from all those. There's been multiple pitches that I've had to clients where, hey, I didn't get the deal because maybe I just didn't connect with them. Right. And again, everybody that's listening, you're never going to be able to do things 100 percent at all times. You're just not going to connect with certain people. Right. So it's, it might not be anything wrong with you. That one person that you didn't connect with, maybe you didn't hit it off, but the next person, you may add extreme value and knowledge to that person. So mm -hmm. again, it's all about perception. I think get yourself out there, be confident in who you are, be confident in what you're selling, your company, your product, and just go for it. Yeah, I totally second that. And that's one thing that I always hit on a lot when people ask me, you know, tips on overcoming rejection just because of my door-to-door -door background and now doing the podcast and everything like that, reaching out to high-level influencers. There's a lot of rejection that comes with that. And you can, exactly what you were saying, just realize that you are already in the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is they say no, or you're not doing business with that person. And you are already in that scenario by not asking. So you may as well ask because you literally have nothing to lose and only everything to gain. And I would even argue that every time you ask and are told no, you actually are in a better position that you were in before, even if they say no, because you just practiced. You just got a little bit better. You just learned another thing to not say because you got another no. So now you are moving yourself forward. You're putting more deposits in that confidence bank so that next time around, you'll have a little bit of a tweaked pitch and figure out something different that might work this time around and change it up from last time and then go from there. And, and I think a big thing too that people undervalue nowadays is persistence. Sometimes you get a no the first time. It doesn't mean no forever. It just means not right now. So try to figure out a way to add value to that individual and then circle back around in a couple of months. I think too many people think about it way too short term. And they'll look at that relationship as like, man, I really wanted to connect to that person, but they just didn't have time or they said no, or they weren't interested in what I was offering whatever it is. And then they think that that's over forever. And it's like, no, you know that there's going to be another conference like this in like a year, right? Or like in eight months, nine months, like you have a long time to go before this is a dead connection. You know what I mean? So just try to oh, figure absolutely. out a way to add some value back into the conversation to bring some value to that individual's life and circle back around in six months, seven months, stop thinking so short term about it. And so I wholeheartedly agree with that, bro. Yeah, right. absolutely. I always hold on to the term that persistence beats resistance, right? So if mm -hmm. I had a nickel yeah. for every person that told me know or every bank, every client, anybody in my business that told us no, yeah. and I took my tail, I would be super depressed, not be successful, not do. But again, I took those opportunities and said, why did they say no? 
Mm-hmm. Why yeah. did they not want it? You know, again, you might not need to be doing business with said individual. It might not be a good fit. They mm-hmm. may be somebody that you don't want to do business with at the end of the day once you got that business, right? Yeah, right. So people look at things negatively all the time. And I always try to say, find the positives, right? Because if you dwell on the negatives, you're never going to be successful ever. Yep. You get what you focus on. So if you're always focusing yep. on negative things, you're going to get more negative things. If you focus on positive things, you're going to get more positive things. Sometimes we just overcomplicate things and it shouldn't be. It just, it's just, it's very, very simple. So Brandon, let's go ahead and move on here to the last segment called the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? All right, let's do it. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Well, so as I said before, I always had dreams when I was younger that I was going to be a professional musician. I've played guitar for 18 years now. So to me, that's always been a dream of mine and had to focus on a different profession to pay the bills. But in an ideal world, I would have been a musician. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Morgan Freeman. So I've always found him to be an extremely interesting character. And I know that he's come from times of, you know, oppression, all that good stuff. And I would just love to sit and pick his brain. How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? So I probably listen to a minimum of two hours a day of podcasts, just cycling between, you know, yours, Brad Lee's, Andy Frisella, Ed Milet, all the standard guys, and then books. I try to read at least one book a month. Okay. What's the book that you're going through right now or one that you've read recently? So the book that I'm reading right now is called Stacking the Deck, and it's just a you know business about drastic changes in a corporation, changing environment, changing culture, things like that, how you go about methodically doing that. And the last book I read was called Outliers. Very good. You guys should check it out if you haven't read that. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. <laughs> okay, so morning routine. So I actually have a one-year-old daughter and a three-week-old daughter. My mornings consist of helping my wife, you know, get my one-year-old up, get her fed, all that good stuff, while my wife takes care of the little baby, getting her bottle fed, all that good stuff. And then I'll throw on a podcast uh, while I'm in the shower and, and listen to that while I'm getting ready, listen to a little podcast on the drive into the office. Then when I get to the office, I'll have a brief meeting with my partners, my team, and just get the day rolling. What is your go-to pump-up song? So (laughs) I had to think about this. You know, I don't know. I'm a big Drake fan. So to me, probably a song called Worst Behavior. All right. Okay. What are you not very good at, Brendan? So I'm not very good at delegating responsibility. I struggle with that. I don't know if it's a control thing or what it is, but that's something that I consistently try to work on is empowering people to take over things that I would normally want to handle myself. And it's starting to become detrimental to our business. So I'm having to relinquish a lot of the things that I do on the daily to free myself up for larger level things. I work too much in the business and not enough time on the business. Mm. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. As we get everything wrapped up here, bro, what is one place online where we'll be able to find you the most? So the company, www.m as in Mary, R as in Robert, S as in Sam, the dash symbol direct.com. So abbreviated for Midwest Recovery Systems. And then my personal IG tag is at btumber. At btumber. Go check out some of the stuff Brandon's putting out there. And we will be looking out for that podcast coming out soon, bro. So uh, better get to work on that piece. Yeah, I need to do that. I'll be hitting you up to get some details on how I can go about doing that. So it's definitely something that'll be coming soon, guys. 
For sure, for sure. Cool. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show, Brandon. I had a fantastic time talking with you about all this stuff. Not a problem. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for the opportunity, Travis. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.